0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Shula Bowl Podcast. This is David Handel, and before we get started today, we wanted to deliver a little message to our listeners. You know, first thing, we're entering year three of this pod, which is absolutely crazy to me. You know, we love doing this. We love talking about FIU and FAU football, and, you know, we love trying to grow the exposure of these programs. You know, but we really want to take this pod to the next level. We have some ideas of things that we want to do, and we were planning on starting last year, but with COVID and the pandemic, you know, that, that obviously wasn't really an option. However, as things seem to, you know, be turning the corner and, and brighter times are ahead of us, we really want to get going and really grow this thing. You know, things like merchandise or hosting watch parties or, you know, other things. We, we want to start doing that. We want to start interacting. We want to start really growing this thing and taking it to another level. You know, but that starts with getting sponsorships for the show. So what I'm here to ask is, if you know someone or, you know, yourself or your company wants to sponsor this podcast, please reach out to either Eric, Shane, or I on Twitter. You know, we greatly appreciate it, and we believe you will appreciate it, too, because the ideas that we have will leave fans of both schools and fans of this podcast super happy and super excited. So that was my message Thank you in advance. And now enjoy the show.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks. Five Reasons Sports, dot com. your home for South Florida sports news. I am Eric Henry, FIU Beat Writer, Co-Managing Editor, Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation, joined by I think this is the first podcast we can officially say it. Uh, Shane, your title is is what the publisher of Owls 247 for the 247 network is that a, did I nail that?
2: Yeah, yes publisher <laughs> uh, but moving up, I, I, I skipped columnist so
1: <laughs> no no doubt about it really quick, I have to take I have to take 20 seconds here and, um, you know, do this publicly. I, I know I did it on Twitter, but I got to tell him here on this podcast. Couldn't be prouder of Shane. I, I remember Shane gave me a phone call uh, a few years back. I, I was in Jacksonville working on a recruiting store at the time. It was a, a couple of the FIU receivers who were coming in from Jacksonville in a hotel room. And Shane called me and just kind of, you know, really spoke about how much he really wanted to get into the college football realm, the recruiting realm. And, uh, you know, I, I won't tell all of Shane's business, but he has made a lot of sacrifices to, you know, this this whatever modicum of success you want to assign to Shane being the poacher of the two four seven site. I can tell you, uh, in conversations with him, it, it is a lot, and it means a lot to him. And no one uh, is more passionate about FAU Owls football and South Florida recruiting that I can think of uh, than Shane. Maybe maybe Larry Blue's seen, but Blue's got you know another forty five years on Shane, so. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> hey, if, I, if I'm
2: still, I, I was with Blue this week, and if I'm still marching around in 50 years with, <laughs> Blue will probably outlive me at that point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, just real quick, thank you. Couldn't have done it with like some, you know, like, you not know, get all the details, do a full episode on it, but couldn't do it without. I had a really good support system that some people wouldn't have with, you know, obviously Eric and um, helping me and, you know, other people that, you know, were, I was like, man, I should do this because I have people that are kind of their support for me. So it was just, it made it easier for me to kind of jump into it. Um, and, you know, now I'm just on, you know, a podcast, giving my, we're just giving our fiery hot takes. So <laughs> we reached the pinnacle. <laughs> no doubt about
1: that. But without, without further ado, uh, do not have David Han on the line tonight, but that is because we have a special guest. Definitely want to jump into some of the quarterback plays with these two programs, because, Obviously, Nikosi Perry and Michael Johnson Jr. transferring to FAU. We expect Nikosi Perry to be the starter, but definitely want to talk about those quarterbacks and the transfer situation at FIU. Max Bordenschlager came in last year. We know that his play was up and down as FIU rotated three quarterbacks, and of course the true freshman Grayson James. So who better to talk a little bit of quarterback play, especially at the group of five level than At QB Spotlight on Twitter, you have seen him on Twitter at QB Spotlight and his group of five quarterback breakdowns on YouTube, on the the Twitter account, on his personal account at Stephen Hamner. Mr. Stephen Hamner, I know you're joining us from the the fine state of Texas, sir. How are you doing tonight?
3: Man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I I don't have any of the background that y'all have. I'm just some guy that puts out some quarterback stuff on Twitter and YouTube. So uh, I'm excited to be on, though. Uh, obviously a, a former am I a former F- Florida native Eric without what would I count as a former Florida native for a little bit um, well, that,
1: that, that's kind of a double negative there being a Florida a former Florida native a former Florida resident uh, Res- uh, that 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 you would uh, absolutely be and listen don't downplay your your credentials as some guy you are a, a former small-time quarterback you definitely had the opportunity to sling the rock a little bit and you've uh, done a, a hell of a job really breaking down these group of five quarterbacks you know kind of bring attention to The leagues and quarterbacks that don't get enough shine. So, again, can't thank you enough for making the time of being on tonight. And we're going to jump right into it. You know, (laughs) definitely going to start with the Owls. Obviously, FIU, um, their situation, don't want to say it isn't as pressing because it's probably more pressing, to be honest, than FAUs. But FAU has the most high-profile quarterback of the two teams, and that is Nikosi Perry. So, Shane, I want to let you uh, have at it. Whichever direction you want to go in with FAU and the quarterbacks, the offense, uh, it's all yours.
2: Yeah, I, I guess there's I, – I feel like, and maybe because of the amount of games and stats, I, I feel like it just – rankings we were kind of joking about online about Conference USA quarterbacks, and it's been a sticking point. There's pages of voice memos and texts of Eric and I going back and forth on some quarterback debates. I feel like Nikosi Perry just isn't getting some of the love he probably should be. Um, I know there was some tough seasons there in the Rick, but, you know – Harry's kind of universally loved by UM fans, which is really hard. And he played well in a lot of huge games for them, which was it was almost kind of his thing—the um, comeback off the bench kind of kid. Where he'd come in and throw first four hundred yards with Florida State, or even played really well in that bowl game, which was a glimpse, I think, of what we're getting. Why do you think he's getting so underlooked for a guy that kind of did this on the highest level? Um, as opposed to the quarterback, we'll get into who did it on a much lower level.
3: Yeah, I think I think for so in the course of your prayer, I think you're right. Uber talented guy, and I think he he will definitely help the FAU quarterback room. But I think it's got to be the inconsistencies because, like you said, with those big games, especially this Oklahoma State game most recently, where they almost won, um, I think the inconsistent play sticks out. Where you know you have the. The duds against you know Duke, where maybe he went like two of nine and was benched, and you know you have several uh, several games where his completion percentage was was under fifty, if not twenty to thirty. Range, where it was pretty pretty rough. So I think the fact that you know he had those rough games and. Not all his fault by any means. Not a lot of Miami quarterbacks had success until you know, Keen got there, so you could argue that they weren't put in the best position possible, which I think is fair. But at the same time, I think it's the inconsistent play where you were always wanting a bit more, right? right? Is that fair for Perry? Like, you saw some great plays, you saw some glimpses, and then you saw some just duds. You're like, man, what is going on? So I think the fact that it was inconsistent play and he just left you wanting a bit more uh, could be a reason why he was forgotten about, and the fact that uh you know he he didn't play much at all last year so it's almost like a you know what have you done for me lately he was on the bench last year behind king even though he did have that good bowl game so that probably p- plays a role as well as you know it's been a few years since he actually got considerable playing time into multiple games
2: i thought you brought a good like you brought up a couple so i want to kind of was yeah a lot of miami quarterbacks struggled under that and it's it may maybe hard to extrapolate out. I think maybe the best version of Nikosi Perry is what we kind of saw uh, other than a few, you know, incidents, you know, the not LSA incident games um earlier in his career against Florida State and Virginia Tech. Um it was that mm-hmm. game yeah, under Rhett Lashley, a little bit more, you know, obviously much more proven um offensive coordinator. What do you kind of see? And I know Miami had a lot of passes in that game, which even hurt his stats a little bit. But he still played well. What did you see in that game that was like super? Oh, okay, this is different. This is FAU getting a much different quarterback than what we've seen in the
3: past. Yeah, that's a good question and something good to bring up. So I think, and, and you know, being a covering FAU so closely, you'll definitely uh, this will resonate with you. Is you know, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. If you look at his yards per attempt, which to me is, is one of the with the day's game now is one of kind of my favorite stats, not a huge, huge stack but I think that is a, is is a telling point. His yards per attempt are 5.7 and 6.6. So not very good at all. Like seven ish is where you at least want to be. So like six and a half is pedestrian seven is you're getting a little better. And so he didn't have many attempts obviously in 2020, but, the majority of his attempts came in that game against Oklahoma State. His yards per attempt were 7.4 last year, even though and, and it all came against Oklahoma State. So that tells me, hey, the, he was pushing the ball downfield more, and it wasn't just decision-making. The plays were calling for him to push the ball downfield more by nearly two yards per attempt uh, from what his previous average was. So I think that goes hand-in-hand with, okay, he's showing he can push the ball downfield to put in that situation, and the fact FAU, you know, I, I, I don't know what Trani's numbers are off the top of my head, but I I think they're in the fives as far as yards per attempt, which, you know, is, is not going to uh, lead to a successful offense. Wow. So, and so FAU fans have to encouraged for him coming back in uh, with the potential to push the ball downfield.
2: And, and what do you, you, you think, in, and and th- this is more of, a, I guess, an intangible question, and I guess it's kind of two parts. I, I think also just what, you know, people are just looking at the quarterback and part of me is looking at the situation Mm. FAU is obviously a team that brings back a ton of talent, a lot of seniors. You've talked about on this podcast a bunch of times, brought in other transfers. Uh, combine that with the fact that Nkosi's played in some big games, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's been thrown in, you know, uh, down 21 points to Florida State as a Miami quarterback. So there's nothing that's really going to kind of, you know, uh, when he, if he was oh, the opening quarterback in the swamp, he's, it's going to be, okay, I've been here before. Uh, that he doesn't have to do everything yeah. at FAU. F.E.U.'s not even asking. He's not going to be asked to even be Chris Robinson. Um, how much do you think that kind of fits his game, and is just the situation that he's in? Comparing it to the other quarterbacks in the league is makes him is even more beneficial for him.
3: No, that's a good point. So let's just say Perry comes in. He's average. To your point. If, let's say if FAU had average quarterback play last year, they probably finished the season much stronger, right? So if, if Perry just comes in as average, I think FAU is pretty good. If Perry comes in and, you know, is pretty good, then FAU has a chance to have a really good season. And I think his experience factor, the fact that he has had an up-and-down career, he's been the starter, been on the bench, all that kind of plays a role in the fact that he's gained valuable experience where I think he probably understands – He's coming into a league where he doesn't have to do everything, but he's probably going to be a probably a superior athlete uh, to, to a lot of the, the competition he plays. So the fact that he knows he doesn't have to do anything, but as far as athleticism goes and his overall ability, he, he's going to, he has the potential to be a top tier guy. So I think, the experience that he's had uh, is probably going to help mindset wise uh, him knowing I don't have to do everything. I have good people around me. Let's just get them the ball and trust the system, right? The biggest thing is trusting the system uh, that he's being put into, which I think he fits very well, by the way.
2: One thing I thought was interesting. This is my final question, I guess on FAU moving off to Kosi a little bit. And I've been kind of hinting at FAU fans this that, you know, I know they brought in the other four-star quarterback. Michael Johnson Jr. Obviously, you know, he's the son of the offensive coordinator, Michael Johnson, and he was one year at Penn State, and he still has five years of eligibility, I believe, with the COVID Mm -hmm. waiver. But I still believe that there's a good chance that Tronti is still kind of the true number two. That You know, Johnson's a long-term, but I thought Tronti played okay at the end of the year. He wasn't uh, I mean, JV on Posey was kind of became a turnover machine. They probably win that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people think that if Tronti just plays starts the Georgia Southern game, they they might end up squeaking that one out. You know, uh, Posey, I believe, had four turnovers in that game or three. Uh, do you think that's safe to say that there, there was enough in Tronti's game at the end of the year? I think he played pretty well versus Southern Miss and he was okay in the bowl game. They just couldn't kind of clean it up in the red zone. Uh that he could be kind of a safe number two.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I think for several reasons, and I didn't mean to be too too harsh, but I think on several reasons, for a simple fact, he has a you know a, another full offseason under his belt. You know, with the COVID years, is so hard, and it, it was really hard to. To know like okay where should blame really go here so while I think you kind of have an idea of what you're going to get from Tronti, I think at the same time you leave space for improvement for another year in the system uh, for another year to adjust to the players around him so I think that's absolutely a, a fair point and the fact he's got experience like you know in, in our jobs we think okay I want to be better next year I want to be better the year after in my job my career I want to develop so I think giving you know them the same uh, benefit that, you know, you assume, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, assume, but, but you, you, you would, you would hope that, you know, they are able to develop as well. So yeah, I think you're right. Especially leaving room for him to develop, um, and having that experience is, is a safety blanket. Like you, like you referenced, uh, for the backup position. Actually, Eric, sorry, I do have one more FAQ question if it's not too Go for much. It. Go for um, it.
2: One was he, I liked on Posey a ton coming out of high school. I thought he had just all the skills. I thought his film actually looked good. I thought he was a little bit more of a polished passer. Um I always point out that one of the big things is Lane kind of had him because they were really low on receivers. He got here as a freshman. They had Chris Robinson and Tronti, and Lane had him play receiver his true freshman year. He obviously um actually caught a touchdown pass from Nick Tronti <laughs> that season, but. So, he didn't get kind of just behind the scenes developmental work as a freshman. Then, obviously, uh, there's a change of coach and COVID hit. So, he, he, last year, a lot of people don't realize he'd only been a quarterback for a couple of months at mm-hmm. FAU, uh, mm-hmm. actually practicing. Do, do you, is there enough in his game where he could become a good quarterback down the road? Or do it, it, you think maybe he could change positions or he should change positions? I should ask.
3: Yeah. I th- so I think uh, athletically, I think he could definitely transpositions and be successful. Real quick story about Posey. So Eric will know this and, and um, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to say on, on here or not, but I'm definitely a degenerate gambler. And so it's something I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I definitely remember placing points on the under, uh, against FAU and FIU. Uh, and then that was Posey's first game starting, I believe. And that's when he kind of went bonkers and had a, had a hell of a game. So I did not end up, uh, winning that bet and so that's my first memory of posey uh but uh, back to being a semi-serious very dynamic athlete and he did show a bit in his arm too um but yeah i think i think absolutely if he's if he's coached correctly and developed correctly he could be a, a good quarterback but this the the his pure athleticism you can find a spot for him on the field, regardless what it looks like, regardless if it's a you know package situation, if he's a different position. So I, I, I definitely think there's a place in the field where, where his athleticism can fit, and you know you can get him the ball in, in creative ways.
1: I'm going to jump in here really quick. Uh, you know, shift away from FAU for a second, and Steve, to give you a heads up, we are going to get into Conference USA as well because Jane and I have yelled at each other over WhatsApp probably for the past five months, as, as the rest of all of Conference USA Twitter has about Bailey Zappi. So we're going to get into Bailey Zappi in a minute, but want to touch on the FIU half of the Shulabow podcast here and just get your thoughts. You know, we've talked about it on QB Spotlight podcast. We talk about other, other venues, other avenues. Excuse me, in terms of FIU, just, you know, maybe a minute, minute and a half on what you saw from each quarterback last year and just, you know, maybe a short assessment. And then we'll kind of get into um, maybe where you think they could
2: project heading into 2021.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, And like you said, something we've definitely touched on a lot over the past year, but I think with, with Max, he's probably gotten unfair criticism for the simple fact he was banged up. It was a COVID year and just so many, you know, unfavorable variables were going on and so you did see some good balls and if you if you even watch this film from Maryland uh, whenever he has time to actually get in a rhythm uh, set up he can be a good rhythm passer so that should be encouraging the fact that he has a full offseason and he's going in healthy uh Kalen Wiggins of course being a, a bit more uh of an athletic quarterback he, he's a good athlete can run whenever he needs to the passing's been a little shaky but in his defense there hasn't been a ton of opportunities I can't remember the exact number Eric you probably have it up your head your head but I don't even know if he has fifty or 60 uh, pass attempts as a quarterback, and he started several games. And so I, I don't know if he's had a fair shot either. And then, of course, Stone Norton transferring out, and they got uh, Hayden Carlson and then Grayson James coming as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think you expect a lot of improvement because you can only improve from last year. Uh, but I don't know if all the criticism was completely fair just because of the, the factors that they were going through uh, with being a COVID year transfer coming in and uh, the offensive system that they were trying to learn.
1: The number you're looking to recall is 57. That is the career pass attempts for one Kalen Wiggins was going to go to max, but I want to lay on or excuse me, stay on that right there. Steve, yeah. how many pass attempts? And again, this is subjective, right? You know, cause it depends on the offense and things of that nature, but just generally speaking, how many pass attempts would you think you need to see, you know, how they kind of have that deal. They say in the NFL, once you have 19 games or 20 games of starting experience, no matter where that comes from, you kind of know what you have in a quarterback. What yeah. do you think you need to have in terms of just pure pass attempts to kind of get an idea of, OK, is this guy an adequate passer or not? And I think to bring back to Shane's point about Javon Posey, I think you could make the same point about both Posey and Wiggins in terms of, yes, their play as pure passers might be, excuse me, might have been a little bit shaky at best but it's not exactly like they have two or 300 pass attempts to their name. So just curious in your mind, what's kind of that target number that you think you need to see to kind of say, okay, this guy can or cannot develop into a more, uh, you know, sufficient passer and can play at the FBS level as quarterback.
3: Yeah. I I don't know if it's necessarily a, a specific number. I think it's about consistent reps, right? So if he has, let's say he has 60 attempts in three straight games. Well, okay. We have a decent amount of footage on him. Let's say he has 60 attempts in one game starting Three games coming in as a backup, four games, you know, playing here and there, which is probably kind of where he lies with, you know, starting some games, getting thrown in there. So I think it's the consistent reps where if all those, let's just say, 60 years pass attempts were in three games, I think we'd have a better idea as opposed to uh, the, the kind of more inconsistent pass attempts and kind of where those pass attempts lie, if that kind of makes sense. But you'd probably definitely want more than 56 to get a, a good read. But at the same time, if I'm going to. Kind of play devil's advocate to to kind of what I just said, defending him. Um, you know, you got to do a good job to beat out the other guy to get those reps, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that it's about the consistent amount of reps, the consistent passes that he has to kind of get a good feel on what kind of passer he is.
1: As you mentioned off the top of the podcast, you're a native Texan, so uh, I know you're a little bit further south than the Dallas area, but you are familiar with people who have seen Grace and James play, and of course, you are a former. Texas high school quarterback yourself. So, two part question here. One, uh, in terms of Grayson James, what do you have you seen or heard of him that, you know, maybe give you may give you, excuse me, an idea that he can come in and compete immediately and B, this is something that Shane and I, I at least I'll speak for myself, I'm sure Shane is as well, someone who spends a significant amount of the time covering the high school game, are really interested in. Can you kind of talk about the nuances and again, you are biased of being a native Texan, but just some of the nuances of maybe being a Texas high school quarterback and Mm. what advantages that may give someone coming in, you know, just for those of us in Florida and a a point of reference.
3: Absolutely. So um, let's touch on the, the, the first question. First we'll talk about Grayson James. I I am high on him. And to be honest, I I was a bit surprised that he went to FIU because of talent level. And we've heard from around that if it wasn't a COVID year and that there were more scholarships to get out and that, People saw him in, in person a bit more that he is a power five quarterback, and um, th- that that holds a lot of weight with me, especially with some of the people that have shared that information. And watching him on film playing at, I forget if Duncanville is a five a or six a school, but regardless, it's either the, the top level or the second highest level in, in Texas, and so he's playing top level football uh, against some 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 dang good competition. And I think they went three or four rounds deep in the Texas playoffs, which is which is a pretty uh, big deal uh, this past year. So. I like Grayson James a lot. I, I am, of course, biased. Um, I want him to do well at FI, FIU and, and really show out. But um, I do think he is polished and prepared. And as far as like, what's it like being a, a quarterback in the state of Texas for high school and kind of how you were developed, man, it's changed so much. So when I was well, – I played in high school from oh, – Five to 0809 whatever kind of that range is and that's when like private quarterback instruction was just becoming a thing like i i didn't go to any of them the the camps were just started starting happening like the elite 11 was getting big that's when like you started getting letters from like elite 11 and you know uh fbu camps and all these big camps but it wasn't a big thing like it is now um you know now it's like I'm sure it's similar in Florida, but now you know everyone has a private quarterback coach. It's like how pitchers are. You know, pitchers have always had their private pitching coach. That's the same thing for quarterbacks. And so uh, I think there are some. Sometimes it can be a bit much, but also if you find the right guy that has a lot of good quality uh, and, and, and is able to really help you and coach you up, then you really do have a, a good chance and a, an advantage to be a lot further developed when you become a freshman than say uh, I was. I had the chance, or uh, you know, when people just a few years back. Uh, had the chance. And as far as being in Texas, man, like every quarterback camp you see, there, there's like hundreds of kids, like everyone wants to be the quarterback, right? I'm sure it's the same in other States, but, uh, you know, you know, when, when, when the stands are packed and, uh, I mean, even me being a, a mediocre quarterback at, at a big Texas high school, you know, you, you go places, you get free lunch. So you're like a rock star walking around, walking around. And so, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, different feel like looking back at it now, but at the time it's like, you know, a super fun thing, but Back to the development thing, I think it definitely plays a big role. All you have so many options. This is choosing kind of that right quarterback coach. What you want to do? Uh, I'm sure it's similar in Florida too. I know, I know being there, there's some really good quarterback coaches as well. But um, yeah, in Texas, it's just like every kid's dream: uh, Houston, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. You know, whatever it may be, every kid wants to be the, the, the quarterback.
1: Steve, I'm going to give you a chance here to pull up a list of Conference USA teams as I intro this question, because we're going to kind of transition here into the broader Conference USA list here. And I know this is going to trigger Shane. Uh, you know, there, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, Steve, so there's no right or wrong answer. Right. Uh, before we get into Bailey Zappy talk, I just want you to – There you is have your right
2: list, or wrong answer. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, there is no right or wrong answer. As you, have your, <laughs> as, as you have your list of Conference USA teams up and in front of you, just yep. – there are there are fourteen teams in the league. Can you just give us your top seven in no particular order? Give us your top seven quarterbacks, and then main, quarterback. and, and Shane inevitably will our quarterback situation. So it can be all the way around. But top okay. seven, and Shane inevitably will opine after you give your top seven.
3: So so top seven quarterbacks slash quarterback situations. Correct. Correct. Okay. So no order. I'm going Grant Wells. At Marshall, that's one. I'm going Chris Reynolds at Charlotte. That's two. I'm going uh, uh, Frank Harris at UTSA. That's three. Uh, Let's see. I'm going Trey Lowe at Southern Miss. That's four. And by the way, huge, huge fan of Trey Lowe. So let's see. I got four. I'm going Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. That's five. Uh, Let's see. You know, I'm going Louisiana Tech at number six with Austin Kendall. Aaron Aaron Allen, I hope not the name, and then Luke Anthony, assuming he comes back. And then uh, Shane will probably be mad if I leave Nikosi Perry out. Um, so, but I'm probably going to go uh, Tyler Johnson third at UAB. Shane, how about it?
2: Well, let, let's just start with um, Bailey Zappi. Uh, and I think there is a lot of hype. Well, I, I, you know, and I'm, I get he put up big numbers. Uh, I tend to have a bias as much as you talk about the quarterbacks, uh, in the state of Texas, you know, is the way I talk about defenders and DBs in the state of Florida, I mean, it, it, the average person to tell you that they just don't play defense in Texas. You see a lot of receivers running wide open and it has a lot to do with the way things are coached and how just, you know, I've always get step back here. I've always said, you know, the athletes in Florida are just better. Okay, kids are coached to a higher level of Texas and that's obviously, you know, uh the head coach at Miami Northwestern, which is probably one of the best programs in the country, still has another job. Okay, <laughs> right? like that's just right. how it is in football. Right. Um it, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the, he's getting like you coach, yeah, he produces 25 Division 1 players, but you know, probably he's still teaching uh history too. Huh. Okay. Uh, and what you just don't see, you don't, you just, you don't see the level of coaching. So I think kids tend to max out a little earlier and when they have to play defense in college, and this is why, um, in the big 12, you don't see as, is, is as good a defensive play as defensive plays you see in the sec or kids from Florida and defensive backstory. Eventually you just have to be a great athlete to play defense, good offense. Would you agree? Good offense always out schemes, good defense, right? If their schemes are the best, um, yeah that um, it's the game designed for the offense to win.
3: Right. As, especially right now. You're right. Especially right now in college. Yeah. Yep. So my, the, my thought and we'll, we'll see, I'm
2: a pioneer, but we'll get to my zappy point is, is, you know, eventually for a defense to dominate an offense, especially a good offense, they just have to be better athletes. Okay. And my point is, is the best defense that Bailey Zappi saw last year was 81st in the country. And the best. Uh, you watch some of his tape and you see a lot of guys running open. You see them down 21 points and, you know, slinging the ball around kind of freely. And I just, I don't know if that translates as well as everyone thinks it will to make him automatically the best quarterback in the conference. Um, when you see Marshall's and FAU's defense, uh, I like, I just think it, we're talking. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Quinn Ewers could have went out and thrown for three fifty versus North Texas last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, easily he, he would have been he would have been in a jump at halftime. So it, it's it's just hard to watch this and knowing the quality. Louisiana Tech was the best defense he faced all year last year, and it, it's just hard for me to translate and be like, well, I think he was ninth in points last year so I, I just want to know what you kind of think of that uh line of thinking
3: well I, I think I always enjoy the um the kind of counterintuitive thoughts and it, it, especially when it has uh intelligent backing like yours so I do see that point um a few reasons why I like zappy before I, I kind of answer that is uh, and it's uh, admittedly it's hard to get film from uh houston baptist university right you can find some stuff on youtube so admittedly i'm going off a lot of just like box scores and stats because there's not a ton of film out there but the one encouraging thing that i took away was his ability to get better each year uh, and kind of improve that's something that that i think kind of bodes well the quarterback position and something that i think it, it translates well so in 2018 he was a starting quarterback i think he had 23 touchdowns at 13 picks 2019, 35 touchdowns of to 15 picks. The picks ticked up a bit by two, but the touchdowns went up by 12. Uh, and then going to last year, only four games, 15 touchdowns to one interception. And he he did start in 2017, but you do not have those numbers uh, in front of me. So that tells me he's improved, he gets better over time, and he's coachable, especially in the system that he's in right now. You don't have to have the best athletes. Like If you look at the air raid, like the, the, the point of those offenses, like the Mike Leach's offense – are to confuse the the defense and just hit check down after check down until there's a busted assignment or busted coverage. And that's when you hit your deep guy and that's when you see the guys wide open. So it's not necessarily that the best athletes beating them. It is the, the scheme and kind of, uh, sleep making your deep, the defenses go to sleep if you will. And that's when you take the shot deep. So I like Zappy. I, I'm with you. I, I'm not ready to put him at the top of the conference yet. I'm ready to put him in the top half. Um, but I'm definitely not ready to put him at the top. And the fact that, you know, three of the schools he played la- or yeah, three of the schools, two of the schools that he played last year were CUSA schools. And of course, Texas tech and, and, and uh, FCS, I believe. Uh, but the fact that he is going to be playing a, a conference, a schedule bodes well. And even if he does, even against the, the, the more, uh, you know, quality defenders that they play or defenses defenses that they play, let's say he does struggle in those games. I don't have that schedule pulled out in front of me. I think you referenced Marshall and, um, was it FAU? FAU, yeah, yeah. So, so let's just say he struggles against those teams and is mediocre or even bad, but is good against the other teams. And I still think he that's a good quality quarterback in Conference USA, considering the fact that you know Conference USA as a whole last year uh, was probably their worst year for a quarterback play that we've had in the past few years uh, and so even if even if he does struggle a few games I think he's going to have uh good games and put up big numbers but I wouldn't count out, count him out on on uh, on not playing well against those those defenses but to your point I think it's a fair point to bring up uh but I would counter with the ability to improve he's coachable he's gotten better each year uh, and I think I think I think he's in a good position right here um but you know we'll have to wait and see
1: I want to jump in here really quick. Um, there's two points that I think are, are worth making here, right? And this is, you know, Shane and I have had this debate. We haven't had it on air, but two points worth making. And uh, I'll let Steve, you upon on it. And then Shane can come back and get his opinion as well. One, the air raid, and I want to have make this point on radio, but not on this podcast. No one's asking Bailey Zachary to come in and play a completely different system. He's going to play in the same offense, under the same offensive coordinator, In a system that people tend to confuse air raid and spread. Steve, you played in the air raid. Mm -hmm. How you and I met was I asked for your opinion on the air raid versus the spread. The air raid is not asking for 20 downfield throws. Yes, FAU has tremendous defensive backs. But the air raid is asking you to read. And and Steve, if I've, you know, and by any ways mischaracterized air raid, feel free Mm. to jump in. It's going to ask you to make a specific read. It's gonna ask the receivers to make a specific read, and you're gonna have a lot of underneath throws. gonna be a lot of predetermined throws that yeah. you say, "Hey, if this guy does X, you go here." Again, I'm not saying that's gonna you know be earth shattering, and, and Mike Shoops won't be able to defend it, but it's one that more or less is gonna. It's it, even Shane. You know this. The air raid has made a lot of quarterbacks who weren't necessarily stars in the NFL. It's made them look like really good college quarterbacks, and that's point one. The second point that I, I want to make really quick here. And that's one that I think Shane doesn't give enough credit to in my opinion, is that, yes, while Bailey Zappi put up those numbers against defenses that were subpar at best, and that's being nice he was also playing with a bunch of
2: FCS talent that Shane, like, it's not but as happy sell on him as they brought in that FCS talent while losing a Gage Walker. Well, you know, hang, 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 on, hang on a second.
1: <laughs> Let me give me two <laughs> seconds to finish this point, Shane, I, I, and, yeah. I, and I'll give it back to you. That's my my only point um, is is that if the talent is all relative, right? It's not as if Bailey Zappi was an FCS quarterback playing with a bunch of FBS drop downs, playing with a bunch of dudes who were the same one and maybe two star recruits or zero star recruits as him. So, in that point, and in, in in that aspect, the talent is all relative. Steve, I want to get your thoughts really quick on on the air raid. Um, and then the, the talent perspective and the shame. I'll let you pick it back up from there.
3: You know, you make a great point, Eric, and, and you hit it with the air raid. So, so, real quick, 30 second breakdown. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times with the air raid you'll have just you're just reading one side so say I'm reading the right side my left side is considered backside a lot of times you're running like double slants to try to get your vision or something like that and you're really just reading one defender if the defender takes the X receiver you're throw into Y if the defender takes Y receiver you're throw into X and so the, the the point of the air raid is to just confuse defenses and put them in awkward situations and create space and then when you do that over and over and over again five yards here dunk the running back there that's when your deep shot usually gets taken so a lot of times the area doesn't just come out and chunk it deep. Now, of course, you can if it's if, if that's what the play is called and the defense is set up that way. But absolutely, you usually have like one read side and then a backside with like slants trying to get in your way. Uh, and then as far as uh, Eric's point, that's something I didn't, haven't even considered that he was playing with FCS level uh, talent against FBS level. And, and and to Shane's point, yeah, they they are. Uh, there's a this transfer. Uh, I
2: would argue no one on North Texas' defense was FBS level.
3: I would probably say I, I would probably disagree and say
2: they uh, the defensive tackle. Okay. Outside I mean, do you see the yards they gave up last year? I mean, yeah. the, I think the I, right I, I, was, like 27%, that was the lowest amount they gave up.
1: Shane, Shane, really quick, Steve. I was gonna ten seconds. Yep. Shane, you and you and I've had the, the recruiting rankings debate a million times off-air. You now are currently employed by a site that uses recruiting rankings, right? North Texas's defense has seven three-star recruits. Whatever you want to call three-star in terms of FBS or FCS, they have seven three-star recruits, whereas at Houston Baptist, they had none. So, to your point, I I would argue otherwise that they have FBS-level talent.
2: Whether you like the talent or not is different. Got to check the ratings guy in Texas. Um, (laughs) But my point is, I mean, I just, I don't and, and you can finish your thought, but you know, I have some thoughts on the air raid. Right? I'll let you just finish what you were saying.
3: Yeah, go ahead, go Steve. No, no, I was just saying to the fact that that just because they got torched, there there are probably a lot of FBS level guys, but the the, the system and the scheme and putting them in one, in a position is, is totally different than if they're you know quality players. Um, but at the same time. It's not like all of Western Kentucky's offense is going over. I mean, it's not like all of HBU's offense is going over to Western Kentucky. And I don't know how many guys they got. I don't know if it's three or four. But he's going to have a completely different starting offensive line. He's going to have different running backs around him. It's more than just who he's throwing it to. I think he's probably got some – he's got better talent all around him in general. Um, and so I think he's going to play well. Uh, I, I'm probably not – as high as I'm going to throw him in the top one or two quarterbacks, but it was something that wouldn't surprise me. I'll, I'll say this, I'll leave it at this point and you can agree or disagree or, or it wouldn't surprise me to see him be in the top two, be a top two quarterback in conference USA, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him be six or seven mil, the pack 30 touchdowns, 15 picks good games and bad games. So it wouldn't surprise me either way, but I do think you'll see some success. 30 touchdowns um, when you get an MVP in conference, you say. Go
2: ahead, Shane. Yeah. Uh, here, here's uh, – my issue is, is you know, and you don't follow this as is – what a lot of you don't realize is that West Virginia's also lost a ton of talent. As much as, you know, they brought in, um, I don't think around him they are as talented, actually, as the team they were last year, So you know, they, you know losing um, – uh, losing the receivers, they did losing a Ricky Barber in the transfer portal, all that stuff first. Nonetheless, with the air raid, tell me if I'm kind of in all my years of watching college football, almost justifying the air raid. Right? It's a way. It's a way to kind of elevate. Right? It's an e winning factor. It's it's why sometimes you'll see Washington State beat um, a USC, but then the next week it has a tendency to go play Oregon State at home and score 13 points
0: no it's,
2: yeah absolutely,
0: absolutely, it, it, absolutely it, it'll yeah.
2: even it but then if it's, it's it, in a way it's like the triple option right it, it has yeah. its it has its inconsistencies and uh, it some I, I don't know how that will play now you're taking the same talent and kind of bringing it up uh, you know, to almost to a higher level. So I, I guess just, it'll, it'll be weird to see, you know, which teams kind of figure out the, um, air raid. I, I do think there's an element FAU who's a defensive coordinator, is, um, is, uh, Mike Stoops now. So he <laughs> was from the obviously played years in the big 12 and has seen his fair share of Texas tech and, um, I guess Oklahoma State to a degree runs a true air raid. You know, I, I guess Leach probably runs r- right the purest form of the air raid and there's kind of variations of it. Is that safe to say?
3: Yes, yes, absolutely.
2: So I, I think there's experience there with that. And I, I'm just – I I think the offense itself is inconsistent a lot of times. And, you know, it has its years where, you know, you with Texas Tech and you get a Michael Crabtree and that type of stuff. But a lot of it lends to – being media, oh, we saw that with Mississippi State last year. Uh, you know, they start the season beating LSU, and LSU wasn't as good, but they struggled the
3: rest of the way. It it sounds like to me your beef isn't necessarily that Bailey Zappi is not going to do good. Your beef seems to me it, it's more of the so you're not ready. To, you're not crowning him king of the U.S.A. quarterback wise. That's what it seems like to me. That
2: yeah, I, I think I think the inconsistencies with the rest of Wester Kentucky's roster. And the inconsistencies of the air rate itself is just, you know, I, I think it lends itself to Western Kentucky being six and six.
3: So let me ask you this. Would you be surprised? And let's say however you want to do quarterback rankings, whatever it is, would you be surprised if Zappi is the sixth best quarterback in conference USA? No, I think
2: that'd be fine. I think he could even put up numbers that would make it appear he's better, but uh, it, it wouldn't be as good. If you kind of understand what I'm saying, maybe, yeah. maybe his numbers lend to better, you know, Nicole Superior can has to go out and throw 200 yards. And after you can probably win a football game by 30 points.
3: Right. So, but definitely an improvement from last year. You think that's safe to say Western Kentucky quarterback position?
2: Yes. The rest of the team, I think they've taken a, a little bit of a step back. Maybe, maybe who knows with COVID, but like, you know, I think some of those things are in the air, but I, I think what they've lost, you know, um, through the portal has hurt them. Yeah, I think losing a Gage Walker is huge.
1: Really quick, before we uh, you know, can kind we of close this one up, uh, Steve, do want to do want to tap into while we have you, the rest of Conference USA East, at least for our listeners, both FAU and FIU will be curious about the rest of the quarterbacks on conference. So I'm um, gonna have you go first and then we'll have Shane kind of close it up here. Bailey Hawkman, coming in from NC State, former Florida State Transfer, former four star recruit. Uh, what thoughts on Bailey Hockman and kind of Middle Tennessee's quarterback situation?
3: Yeah, kind of a a journeyman, right? So, but he's he showed some good things at NC State, but I think uh convert USA fans can definitely uh we'll definitely see a much different offense at Milton and C State. One something we talked about before, right? But it's not going to be that that kind of run around backyard Johnny Manziel type football anymore. It's going to be a little more uh kind of pro typical uh pro style uh, uh offense. He's going to send the pocket more uh kind of process defenses. So, um You know, I think the jury's still out how he's going to do, but the offense itself I think is going to be a lot different. And you might see some good ball players that maybe didn't get the ball last year because, you know, the the Asher Hare was so good at running and he was, you know, their main part of the offense.
2: Shane, anything on Bailey Hawkman? No, I do have another one on another quarterback. um, I I tended to see, and you probably get this one a lot, and that's Grant Wells. Uh, Mm -hmm. First half of the season, Grant Wells. Second half of the season, Grant Wells. Uh, I thought it was weird. They brought back the same offensive coordinator, uh, especially, you know, the way they finished, uh, you know, who, who knows how the offense will change under a new head coach. I, I found in the past, at least in my experience with FAU, that's happened twice. And it hasn't worked out where a coordinator has stayed through a new head coach and each time it only lasted a year. Uh, it, Grant also wasn't a super highly rated quarterback coming out. So I think his play was a surprise to a lot of people. You know, I, there's even Marshall fans. I, I think I heard, I listened to some podcast or maybe even read this. Sorry um, for not remembering exactly. Was there was a Marshall fan that thought he was going to be kind of like this local backup guy, career, you know, backup happy. You know, he, he got an offer to his hometown school. now this. So I'm wondering if what we saw, especially the
3: beginning of the year was almost just kind of a, it, it, was
2: maybe his peak
0: mm.
3: yeah no i think it's fair and something we talked about the other day actually where you know against the teams he was supposed to do good against you know he did pretty good against the, the rice at the end and uh, i think he had several games it was almost like a snowball effect and so um and so i'm willing to chalk that up as first year starting though i'm willing to chalk that up that the 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 who he played later in the year was better defensively and he just struggled. And then, you know, as a quarterback, it's such a mental approach where, uh, you know, it's almost like you get the yip sometimes like in golf. You just, you'll miss a a chip shot. Sometimes the quarterback, you'll miss an easy throw. And then you, when you miss easy throw, that eventually leads to uh, turnovers. And uh, I think he had five against uh, Rice. I know one of y'all will be able to correct me if I'm off there, but I still like Grant Wells. I understand the, uh, the talk about, well, he was only good against, Bad teams and bad against good teams. I understand that. But at the same time, I think leaving room for growth, understanding it was his first year starting. Uh, he's got several more years left in the tank. And I think he did show uh, enough that uh, he's got room to uh, develop and, and improve. And so I like Grant Wells. I think he'll take a good step. I, I don't think you'll see that kind of snowball effect if you know if he has a bad play. Uh, but I certainly understand the question out there and, and kind of the question surrounding Grant Wells.
1: I just want to quickly jump in on Grant Wells as well. I may surprise Shane on this one. I am not as high on Grant Wells as maybe some other people are. And Shane, you are correct. I I don't want to attribute it to Marshall fans per se, but I do know that there was a feeling that when you go back to when Grant Wells was recruited, Isaiah Green was the quarterback. And he was particularly thought to be potentially, you know, the quarterback of the future, right? The time Grant Wells came came in in 2019. Um, Yeah, Grant Wells is a hometown kid who was like, hey, you know, maybe he can start as a redshirt junior or senior and he kind of surprised some people when you look at the numbers to shane's point four touchdowns against eastern kentucky five against middle tennessee three against umass that's quick math here 12 of his 18 td passes he had nine picks five against rice five excuse me five against rice two against fau one against app state one against tech so it's just a fair point to say that. And again, to Steve's point to, to, in, in reference to him being a redshirt freshman and him being early, that's fair as well. But I do think at best, and it's just my opinion that you may be looking at more Tyler Johnston than you're looking at Chris Robinson, for example. And that's not to say they can't win you games, but there is this kind of this feeling that he's going to take the next step and be a potential MVP of the conference. That may or may not be fair. So uh, Shane, any other quarterbacks you want to dive into really quick? Or are we good enough to uh, kind of, Bring this one to a close Eric, real, real
2: quick on a, okay. a, a degenerate de- gambling. W- what was Marshall's over under wins? Eight, so seven and a half, seven and a half. Seven mm. and a half. So no Greg Knox. No, Brendan. No Knox. Knox. I always say Greg Knox. He always, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the Florida state thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, no, no Brandon Knox, uh, no Brock Thompson. Correct. No Devontae Beckett. Yeah. uh, No Beckett. uh, No Kane Madden. Um, Yeah. I'm just saying, people, let's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I will, I I will, before we bring this episode to a close, and again, we want to thank Steve for making the time, I will reveal my vote on this podcast. I did vote FAU to win the division, I did not vote him to win the conference. I voted UTSA. To voted vote. for West Kentucky. He was the lone I, West Virginia vote. Don't let him. That him is not you. true. <laughs> Shane my vote. I voted for FAU. I voted for UTSA to win the conference. So uh, I am uh, not in the uh, in the, the group there of them hammering the over. But with that, Steve, I want to thank you again for making the time. As always, you can catch this podcast at 5 Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news, on Twitter at number 5 Reasons Sports. At SchuleablePod on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry. Underscore you can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane, and can't forget this at Owls two four seven. That correct, sir? Yes, sir. At Owls two four seven, you're home for FAU recruiting news and uh, everything else at FAU. So again, shout to Shane for getting that there. Last but not least, I want to thank Steve. You can find him at QB Spotlight and at Stephen Hammer. That's S T E V E N. Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R, for all things Group of Five quarterback play and Group of Five uh, quarterback coverage. Does a phenomenal job, as always. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. We are less than 40 days until the start of the 2021 season, so soon enough we will be back with our FAU and FIU season preview, and uh, Mr. Handel will be back as well at Mr. Handel 321 Happy football watching, everybody.